Hey guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify podcast. And I was maybe going to do a episode, an episode right on the day of 9-11, 2023, which just happened a few days ago, but I felt like maybe it was a bit saturated of a saturated market that day. And I also, I did release a very specific episode last year on that day where I went into some things that I I didn't, I found them very close to that day. I didn't even know about them. So um, I think what I'll do instead in order to honor the day, because we should honor it, why isn't a national holiday recognized that day? I don't know. I think it's a little crazy, especially New York City. And being from New York, having lived there most of my life, I was always surprised that New York City had any activity that day. The whole thing should be shut down. I know that's a that's a hard thing to do, but don't you agree? So instead of talking directly about the event, I thought I would talk about things that seemingly led up to that event in entertainment, more specifically video games, because it happens to be a subject that I have much expertise in, in more ways than one, not just a player, but a historian in some sense, I guess. And the first-person shooter genre really amped up a few years before 9-11. And I'll discuss those things in just a moment. But where did it all start, right? I think almost anyone that does know about this genre, the first-person shooter genre, is well aware of Doom and Wolfenstein, made from the same company, ID Software. And... Doom had a lot of predictive things in it that I really didn't realize when I was younger. But I love the game, and I really think it's an amazingly well-made game. It really is. And it's hard for me to say that now because I, I, I'm promoting the opposite. I'm promoting that you don't find yourself consumed by these games. Games with subtitles like Hell on Earth and Taking Place on Mars with, you know, alien demons and human, you know, hybrid alien zombies. It's, it's clearly, there's a lot of Mars talk nowadays, isn't there? There's a lot of talk about the evils of the world, portals to hell. So killing a bunch of alien zombies with, um, with the intent to, you know, save the world is always a fun thing to do when you're a young, young kid. Or an adult with uh, no nothing left to do with, but that for your pastime, considering how big video games are nowadays. And I've talked about this in other episodes, so I'm not going to go into the details that I did, but revisit some episodes I mentioned, Transformers and a few other ones around that time. Um, video games have been used to simulate lots of things. I want to remind everyone about this. It's not just plugging in a PlayStation or a PC or an Xbox or a Nintendo Switch or whatever. There are many different ways that video games exist. There's driving and flying simulations. A lot of these professional pilots, you know, for whatever airline you want to mention, they are trained on simulations. They work out a lot of the kinks in the video game. And I think that shows how powerful of a medium it is. And of course, I want to prove to you that it's powerful enough to bend the minds of entire cultures. 
points I have made in the past about different things, of course. But there's even simulation games about life. I'm sure you've heard of The Sims and other games like it. Maybe one of them is called Second Life. Video games can simulate lots of things. They can also simulate war. And first-person shooters are absolutely primed for this design. Now, Doom wasn't necessarily that. But people that played that may have grown into other games that are more popular nowadays. Fortnite, of course. And that game, again, I have discussed in the past. I won't mention it here today. I'm going to focus on two other titles that really took the helm and brought the first-person shooter genre right to the forefront to be the most popular style of video game, in my opinion, right now. And that is Medal of Honor and Call of Duty. Between those four games alone, Doom, Fortnite, Medal of Honor, and Call of Duty, I'm sure, even if you've never, ever played a video game, that you know at least one person who plays or has played these games. Now, because they keep making new ones all the time. So, it all started with Medal of Honor. And this game came out in 1999. And it was made by people who you would be very interested in. And uh, before I even show that, just, just take a look at this article. It just came out recently, right? Xbox sales jumped 76% on the launch of a game called Starfield from a very impactful company called Bethesda, a company whose one of their games I played about five or six years ago. And I had to become a member of Bethesda's online community just to be able to play the game, a one-player game, not online. I had to sign up for something and agree to have my data of how I play and when I play the game taken in order for me to even turn the game on and play it. How's that for a change of, of times where you could just put a cartridge in and play whatever you wanted to do? Now you actually have to sign up to play a game even if it's just the at-home private one-player mode. Starfield, of course, being all the rage because you can travel to other planets and be an astronaut. So that's how powerful this medium of video games really is, especially since it had truncated the sales of movies and music combined for a long time now. And it's no exception. There's a lot of alien talk now. Starfield comes out and the system, the Xbox systems start selling like crazy. It's a big deal. And it's not necessarily a brand new system either. So here is Medal of Honor. And the game has primarily been made by Electronic Arts and DreamWorks Interactive. Now, who else was behind this? You may be interested to know that Steven Spielberg created this game. Steven Spielberg, that is. So perhaps that rings a few bells for anyone who didn't know much about the games I talked about, all that nerdiness before. I'm sure you've heard of Steven Spielberg. And just in case I didn't actually show this before, I feel like I didn't, so sorry about that, guys. This was the article that I was referencing in case anyone wants to see that. And I can take that off now. Sorry about that. But why would it be interesting to me that Steven Spielberg created this game in 1999 with the help of two other very suspicious companies, in my opinion, 
two years before 9-11, a year where more people than I had ever heard said they're ready to join the army. That day. Let's go. So here's what it looks like. It was a relatively primitive 3D system. No big deal. And this is what a first-person shooter looks like. You can see the gun that you're holding, and everything is viewed from the first person. It's an immersive experience. But it does a lot more than that. It programs you, and it's unfortunate, but a lot of games do this, especially games like this, where you feel like you're actually the person doing it. You're trained to kill. That's easy to say. There's been plenty of talks and even Congress people trying to get rid of games like this for this reason. Fine, it desensitizes the act of murder. I get that. If your soul is in the game, sure. But overall, most people that play these games would never. And most of them can't even shoot a gun. But here is part of my point. When a game like this comes out, and you love it, and they keep making new ones and they get more advanced, suddenly you're wearing a headset and you're talking to your squadron as you do things. Catch them on the left flank. Now you get the lingo. Now you've got a team. Now when you see an advertisement like this from the Army, which happens to look like a very similar background color, just a coincidence, this is a 2020 Army ad, this is made to appeal to video game players, in my opinion. If you've been playing Medal of Honor and Call of Duty for a long time, I bet you can handle a gun in real life, can't you? I bet you can fight for us and kill people for us, can't you? You don't mind if we don't tell you the actual mission objectives, do you? And look what's on here. The virus hunter wearing a mask. COD3 fighter. What is COD? That is the acronym for Call of Duty, which we will get to at the very end. It's one of the best-selling games of all time. This looks like a character select screen in a video game. It is made to appeal to video game players. There's no doubt about it. And herein lies my issue with everything. Suddenly, right before 9-11, these games that set you in World War II and eventually in the Middle East, after 9-11, they started pl putting these games in the Middle East, they start getting really, really popular right before 9-11. Steven Spielberg, person who's directed so many war movies, is ready to direct these video games to entice people into the concepts of it? Wouldn't it be fun to do this? Yes. I'd have more fun killing mutant alien zombies, personally. And I never really played these games. But I know all about them. And it's, it's interesting. So check this out, right? Electronic Arts is one of the main companies behind the Medal of Honor series, along with DreamWorks, who you may know very well, as a matter of fact, and we'll uh, certainly mention them in a minute. Here is their original logo. And uh, formed in 1982 by this person, Trip Hawkins, who you may have heard of. Here he is looking very happy. He left Apple in 1982, the year I was born, to start Electronic Arts. 
And I always was wondering about this logo when I was younger because I said, where, where is the O in the middle? What is this? This is, guess what? The O is meant to be a globe. This was confusing to some consumers, so they did change it eventually. But it's a square and a circle and a triangle. This goes into sacred geometry. Here is a triangle with a square in it with a circle in it. This is EA. This is what Electronic Arts logo is doing and saying. It eventually changed to just EA. Electronic Arts. And I'm sure a lot of you, again, have almost 100% definitely seen this logo or heard of this company. They've been doing it forever. And they're one of the better companies of, as far as making video games. They've made top quality stuff for a very long time. And they make basically any sport game you've ever played that's worth playing is made by this company. So they're keeping you dumb with the bread and circus of sports. And they're making sure that certain games are in your hands at all times. And as a matter of fact, before I mention what EA actually could mean, they have purchased games in the past just to cancel them and not have them released. If anyone wants to look into the history of the game Thrill Kill on PlayStation 1, for example, purchased by EA at the zero hour just to cancel its release. Basically like Twitter, whatever, X, whatever you want to call it, does when they don't like something, they get rid of it. And same exact thing here. Now, who is EA? What does that all mean? EA, EA, or Enki, E-N-K-I, seen here. It's from the pantheon of Anunnaki. Picture the Greek pantheon. There's a pantheon in Sumerian religion as well. He's a god of water, crafts, seawater, fertility, semen magic, mischief. Electronic arts is inseminating your mind at all times with exactly what you need to see. And the fact that they get rid of some games on purpose proves that they want you to see a certain narrative. And they want you to keep playing every sports game that comes out every year. They want you to just keep watching sports. Keep doing your thing. Leave it. Leave everything else alone. Think about that. This is an impactful connection to make. Considering the impact of that company and how ridiculously huge it is. So like I said, good old Steven Spielberg, right at the forefront of all this, makes the first three Medal of Honor games. And eventually, in a Medal of Honor game that came out in 2020, that did not have to do with Spielberg himself, but all the other companies, it is the only game to have won an Oscar. Now, if you don't mind me nerding out for just one moment... Why didn't Metal Gear Solid get an Oscar on PlayStation 1? When did it come out? 97? That game deserved an Oscar. This stuff, I'm not sure. So, anyway. He worked in part with DreamWorks. He's the co-founder of this company, along with Amblin Entertainment. And when they make games, don't mind the weak... Um, logo I have here for you, but they are DreamWorks Interactive. Now, Spielberg has made quite a lot of influential films, as I'm sure maybe 99% of you already know this, but the kinds of movies that he makes are very indicative 
of the kind of predictive programming that I believe exists in Hollywood and movies and entertainment in general. What kind of movies? Jaws, Close Encounters with Aliens, 1941, a war comedy. This is still all in the 70s. Moving on to the 80s, we got Raiders of the Lost Ark, a bunch of other Indiana Jones, E.T., Poltergeist, The Color Purple, starring Oprah, Goonies, Empire of the Sun, another war movie, Jurassic Park in the 90s now, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. And then in the 2001 release, what do we get? We get AI. Of course we do. Why wouldn't we? Uh, we're into these two-letter companies, aren't we? And we're into these two-letter names. E.T. AI. He's always pushing for these things that just happen to be coming true, at least in the narrative. Minority Report. Pre-crime. Now it was predicted by, you know, some people that had the foresight to see ahead of time, you know, to see ahead. But pre-crime has certainly been an issue since COVID, hasn't it? People being arrested just for typing something or just for searching for something. That's being arrested for a pre-crime. Minority Report was all over that. And Spielberg, of course, was the director. He did a remake of War of the Worlds, one of the largest propaganda campaigns of all time. Warhorse, Bridge of Spies, Ready Player One, which was doing its best to predict the future of video games. And this movie called The BFG, Big Friendly Giant, but The BFG, excuse my French, is the big fucking gun that you can get in Doom. So I think that's pretty funny coincidence there. Uh, The PFC, pretty funny coincidence. All right, that was lame. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So what about DreamWorks, right? Has DreamWorks been giving us the same level of predictive programming that Spielberg alone has been giving? Some of those movies were all released in DreamWorks because, like I said, Spielberg co-founded DreamWorks. But, oh, that ain't the picture I meant to show. But if you if you think more about this logo, it just first of all, it's a moon, the kid fishing for in a sea of nothing. And they've had so many different predictive programming movies also. A lot of war, war ones. I'll skip over the war ones. I wrote them all out. I'm not going to say them all. But we have Deep Impact, which was, of course, about an asteroid hitting Earth. Spielberg was the executive producer. Paramount was also involved. Paramount releasing some of the worst things for kids at this point on Paramount+, Plus, as I said in a previous episode. Um, that movie Ants, pretty much like War Ants, but they were saving their colony from drowning. And then the next year, this movie comes out called In Dreams, where there's an underwater city. Like in Atlantis, I assume. I didn't see it. I don't know. American Beauty, Gladiator, Chicken Run, Almost Famous, Meet the Parents, Castaway, Shrek, The Ring. Didn't know that one was there, actually. Red Eye came out, Don't Fly, in other words. Wallace and Gromit, there's tons of... um, programming in that show and i'm sure in that movie too cowboys and aliens monsters and aliens captain underpants need for speed captain underpants i was prepared to enjoy captain underpants and i had seen it because because i have lots of kids in different ages and there is so much predictive programming and just overall programming in it From the Einstein to the outer space, it's all there. 
And why did I just name tons of movies? I want to show you that the people that made Medal of Honor have been showing us movies that have been doing their very best to make sure we believe in aliens, that we believe in outer space, that we believe in dinosaurs. Jurassic Park is on the list. I don't know if I said Jurassic Park. To be ready and willing for war. Be ready for an asteroid to destroy the whole planet. And then they go ahead and they make Medal of Honor in 1999 and people are freaking out and loving it and can't wait to do it themselves who didn't want to go in after that go to war i feel pretty ready ready for it now this is where this goes this is my main point of contention here it spawned another series in my opinion a spiritual successor and maybe it is maybe it isn't but suddenly this game call of duty comes out in two, two, sorry, 2003. And here's the good old Uncle Sam pointing at you. Funny enough, the acronym here is COD, Call of Duty, Codfish, or it, oh, it kind of looks like God if you keep looking at it. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. Not thinking about it. No big deal. Made by Infinity Ward. And you get to see the vision of an atom behind them, something that's not necessarily proven. As always, this is the Guinness World Records best-selling first-person shooter of all time. And it's the best-selling U.S. game of all time. And it's the fourth best-selling game of all time. Which means a lot, because like I said, movies and music combined don't sell as much as video games do. It matters a lot to these companies that you see what they have to offer. Trust me. It plays just like Fortnite now also in the Battle Royale style. 100 people get dumped into an arena and see who's the last man standing. So I thought that was curious too. And um, they also made the idea of killing Nazi zombies very popular, as some of you may know. Um, Infinity Ward sold this game after it was owned by Activision Blizzard, who was just a behemoth of a company at this point. And they sold it to Microsoft. Are we, are we even surprised that these companies I keep naming are so intertwined with each other? when it comes to war propaganda. And our Sony also recently agreed to a 10-year deal with Microsoft so they could both have the games on their systems, the Call of Duty series. It's that important. And I always remember it was called the Console Wars when I was younger, the warring consoles, Sega and Nintendo, or Sony and Microsoft. It's just how it goes, right? Pick a side. Pepsi, Coke, Democrat, Republican. Even the very first video game in 1962 was called Space War. Double propaganda, space and war. And an exclamation point in the title, Space War. Killing me, man. And, it, and they even boasted the way a game controlled is that there was a gravitational center. And that you would take your ship and the pull would come from the center and you had to m figure out how to maneuver the game. Which made it more interesting than, let's say, something like Pong, which came out much many years after that, actually. So, having said all this, having had the chance to give you as much information as I felt necessary about these companies and the games that they make, and remember that ad I showed you. I think this really matters. I really do. Just look at this. This is absolutely 100% created to appeal to young video game players. 
younger video game players. If you're not old enough to go to war yet, this at least is appealing to you. And that ain't good at all. Because the news is doing its best to suggest a hot war with Russia, North Korea, China, whoever you want to name, whoever the flavor of the week is, they're pushing for something. And everyone that plays these games is being monitored because they have to sign up for that company's program where you instantly click agree and all of your data is taken. Don't tell me that if you're not one of the better players in the world as far as your online record goes, don't tell me that you're not first in line to get an email from the army that says, hey, we want you. A sharpshooter in a video game has a very good chance of being a sharpshooter in real life. And having killed many, many thousands of people in a video game world does indeed desensitize you for the act of doing it in real life. And when it's Russia bad guy, of course, you're doing it for, you're protecting everyone else, right? By killing a bunch of others. It's all propaganda. We should not be killing each other. And I was unfortunately part of an era that was raised on actually murdering things in video games. Sometimes quite brutally. And that's what I mean by the title of this. We are gamed at every level in so many different ways. But we are gamed by gaming. And they are and they're looking for the expendable youth. Because they need bodies. And this may sound very dark, and it is. But that's why I felt compelled to make this. These games came out two years, two years before, and two years after 9-11. These games are training people to be ready for war. And they're made by people and companies that prove that's exactly what they're trying to do. We have to drop our heroes, especially in the form of entertainment. It's a club you're not invited to. It's a show you can't get a ticket for. But you can sit in the comfort of your home and have a great time. Potentially don't even sleep sometimes because you're just doing it all night. You know, I was talking to my wife and I was thinking about how TV used to stop. 8 p.m., 10 p.m. Nobody was there to broadcast the channel any further and the channel had nothing. There was nothing for you to watch. TV was done. Time to go to sleep. Allow your circadian rhythm to exist. Video games changed that. Video games could potentially make your television active for 24 hours before 24-hour television. It was up to the parents. But they were too dead tired from both working by that point. It was too late. 
everything connects, everything makes sense if you look at it with a nefarious eye. Because that's how they operate. And this is a small portion of how they do their best to take over the masses, the entire culture of people, the entire world, and put their minds in a certain place. I feel like they can do certain things and that everything is a certain way. I hope that that this video was enlightening, edifying, and impactful for you because this was a very tough one for me to do. I wasn't even, I, I made the thumbnail first, actually, and then I thought to myself, is this too much? Yeah, I mean, can I even talk about this? But being the time of year that it is, I think it's very important to discuss the kinds of things that went into the product of 9-11. And this is a humongous part of that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, share. Find me on Rockfin. If you think my work is worth supporting, I'm on Patreon. And of course, subscribing to Rockfin through my channel is another really, really excellent way to keep the wheels going here. And um, I've got so much more. I've got some really interesting interviews with people you may not have heard of, or, and some people you may be very surprised to find out are going to be on this show. So hopefully there's a lot of that excellent stuff coming, and plenty more episodes, of course. I go year-round, no seasons. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you guys real soon.